Welcome to another episode of the Hockey Talk Podcast. I'm Will, the host of the Hockey Talk Podcast. Today's episode is going to be on all of the trades that happened during the trade deadline and the days prior to the trade deadline. This is being recorded on Friday at 5 o'clock, so the trade deadline has officially passed, and all of the trades that have that are going to happen have already happened. I'm not going to go through every single trade. It's only going to be the most important ones, the biggest ones, and I'm just going to rattle off uh, the rest of them, most of the rest of them, and we're not going to go too in-depth on every single one or else this podcast would be about five hours long if I tried to go in-depth on every single trade that happened. Before we get into that, if you're not following the Hockey Talk podcast on Twitter, go ahead and go give that a follow on Twitter. It'll also be linked in the description of this podcast as well as the podcast description itself. If you are interested in coming on the show or becoming a co-host of the Hockey Talk podcast, email me at the email in the description of this podcast as well as the description of the podcast itself. Now, before we start up, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Alrighty, getting right in to the trade deadline recap. We're going to start off with probably the biggest and most notorious trade of this trade deadline, Patrick Kane going to the New York Rangers. Now, if you didn't catch the trade, Patrick Kane got traded to the New York Rangers with 75% of his $10.5 million salary retained. Arizona was the banker in this situation. They picked up a 2025 third round pick in exchange for retaining 25% of Kane's salary. Now, the main deal was with Chicago and New York. Arizona was just a banker. And a bunch of these trades, you're going to see that there were third teams that retained salary. A lot of teams didn't have a lot of salary cap, so there um, were picks going back to a third team to retain extra salary. Now, Chicago in this trade got back a 2023 second, which was conditional. The condition on that pick is its top 10 protected or if it's a 2023 second, but it becomes a top 10 protected first round pick if the Rangers make the Eastern Conference Finals in 2023. They also get a 2025 fourth and Vili Sarajarvi from Arizona. Sarajarvi is a former third round pick. He's a pretty solid right shot defenseman. I don't think he's cracked Arizona's lineup yet. Um, If he has, he hasn't played super meaningful minutes. The Arizona Coyotes haven't been in a meaningful game in in a couple years, so he hasn't had any super meaningful minutes if he's cracked into the NHL. Um, I don't mind this trade. It was kind of assumed that Patrick Kane was going to get traded to the Rangers. I think he wouldn't accept a trade anywhere else but New York. So when Chicago fans get upset that they didn't get much in return for Patrick Kane in this trade, um, you got to look at it like they wanted the Blackhawks wanted to get any anything they could for Patrick Kane. So and Patrick Kane was only going to accept a deal to New York. So the only way they'd be able to get a deal done is by trading him to New York. Now. Potentially, they do get a first-round pick out of this. I think there is 
over a 50% chance that that becomes a top 10 protected first just because of how loaded the Rangers are. The Eastern Conference is definitely the better conference, but I definitely think New York becomes one of the better teams after this trade deadline with acquiring Tarasenko and Patrick Kane. That top six looks crazy. Moving on, we are going to go to... Oh, just in case you didn't know, I'm just going to start with all of the big trades first. Just to get that out of the way, I'm not going to keep anyone waiting. Go to the big trades first. Ekholm, Matthias Ekholm, defenseman for the Nashville Predators, formerly defenseman of the Nashville Predators, gets moved to Edmonton at 4% salary retained, which is a total of $250,000. His cap hit is $6.25 million, and they Edmonton needed 4% salary retained, exactly 250 k to make the cap space work. They also get a 2024 sixth, as well as Eckholm. Nashville gets Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, a 2023 first and a 2024 fourth. Reed Schaefer was a 2022 first round pick. He was the very last pick in that draft. The very last pick in the first round of that draft, I mean. And he's a left shot forward who has decent potential. It's the end of the first round, basically a second round pick. So anyone going that late in the draft is not going to be as, even though he was a first round pick, not going to have nearly as much potential as like a top 10. So he was a, a former first uh, first round pick, but not not the greatest first round pick from that draft. He is a very solid prospect though. So it is good that Nashville gets back a prospect, a first, and a fourth. I'm pretty sure the pick they got back to 2023 first is unprotected just because Edmonton is going to be a good team. They're going to make the playoffs. There's no reason to top 10 protect that. There's really no need for it. It's basically already top 10 protected. They also get back Tyson Berry and a 2024 fourth. Um, Matisse Ekholm is older and the one problem I see that could arising for Edmonton with this trade is not having Tyson Berry there for the power play. He was their power play quarterback, and he was the one that basically set up their whole their whole power play. You could say that their that power play unit was run through McDavid and Drysaddle. They're the one that creates all the offense, breaking the puck out of the defensive zone on the power play, and all of um. All of that, walking the blue line, doing all the defenseman things on that power play. He was a giant part of that power play. Now, they do have Evan Bouchard, a 24-year-old defenseman. Great prospect. I think what they're thinking in this trade is that Evan Bouchard is ready to just take over roles on that power play. Although, you can't, could definitely see a decrease in play and effectiveness going from Barry to Bouchard right now but I think over time he will grow into that role so that's the only problem that I see with that trade the it does kind of balance itself out when you look at it because Edmonton Edmonton's defensive play has been subpar the last couple games and if they want to make a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs make a deep run in the Stanley Cup playoffs they're gonna have to be a good defensive team they have a lot of offensive firepower but they're gonna have to be a very good defensive team as well to make it far far in these playoffs so trading for 
Ekholm is a good trade, but losing Barry is one of the things you had to do for salary cap reasons. But at the start, having not having Barry on that power play, you might see a little bit, bit of a difference without having him there. That's the only that's the only problem I see with that. Other than that, it looks looks pretty good to me. Next one we have coming up, Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer gets traded to the Devils from the San Jose Sharks. The Devils get Meyer at 50% salary retained, Scott Herring, Harrington, a couple of other prospects, and Colorado's 2024 fifth-round pick. That's what the Devils get on top of Meyer. The Sharks get a 2023 first, which is top two protected, a conditional 2024 second-round pick. They get Andreas Janssen, Fabian Zetterland, Shakir Mukamaldeen, uh, a couple other prospects, and a 2024 seventh round pick. This is a good trade. The Devils, I think, even surprised themselves this year, coming out and being one of the better teams in that metrop- metropolitan division. Uh, I think they're second in second place in the Metro right now in a very stacked Eastern Conference, like I said before. They're going to be battling with the New York Rangers in the playoffs, and they're just like everyone else. They're loading up. Um, the Devils were a team. They have a lot of they have a lot of uh, firepower right now. Their defense is solid. Mackenzie Blackwood um, is has been pretty solid for them. So I adding Timo Meyer was definitely the number one thing they had to do on their list. Getting another superstar, another score up there. I think he's one of the guys that can push him over the edge. I don't think the Devils will be a first-round exit, although you never know with these, this, these Eastern Conference teams. It seems like everyone, even if even if teams aren't in a playoff spot, they're still sort of loading up. I mean, you see Ottawa trading for Jacob Chikrin, who we'll talk about later in the podcast. They trade for Jacob Chikrin, and I think they're like five or six points out of a wild card spot right now in a stacked Atlantic division. So everyone in the East, whether they're in a playoff spot or not, seem to be loading up this trade deadline. And Timo Meyer had definitely been on the Devils list to get for a long time. So finally getting him for a first-round pick. You knew it was going to cost a first-round pick. Uh, giving up Andreas Janssen, salary cap reasons. Timo Meyer's probably just going to take his spot. He'd take his spot anyway. A couple decent prospects, but no AA, no A-plus prospects. They didn't have to give up Alex Holtz. They didn't have to get, give up Simon Nemish. They didn't have to give up Luke Hughes or anyone like that. So I see this as a very good trade for the Devils. I definitely think the Devils won this trade just because they didn't have to give up any super good prospects. But we'll see going forward how this works out for them. But personally, I think Timo Meyer is going to fit in super well in New Jersey. The next really big trade, which probably shouldn't have been a really big trade, is the Tanner Janot trade. Tampa gets Tanner Janot from Nashville. That's it. Nashville gets Cal Foot, 2025 first, which is top 10 protected, 2024 second, 2023 third, 2023 fourth, and a 2023 fifth. You've seen this in the past with Tampa trade deadlines, if with Blake Coleman, uh, depth defensemen, guys like that. At the trade deadline, if Tampa thinks that they have a chance to win it all, which they definitely have a chance again this year to win it all, uh, they will overpay for those for those depth players. Tanner Janot's another one of those guys that they're going to overpay for. Now, in a couple of years, is that going to hurt them trading away all of these picks, all of these prospects for? For depth guys that they overpay 
a crap ton for, it's probably going to affect them in the long run. But right now, they've won two Stanley Cups in the last five years. So, and it's worked for them before. Every time else, they lost to Colorado in the Stanley Cup Finals. Year before, they won it, I believe. Year before that, they won it, I believe. So, having those uh, depth players really helped them a lot. Filling out that third line, even that second line, having guys that can step up to that second line if players get hurt. A guy like Tanner Janot, he's a great depth player for you to have on your team. Is he worth a first, a second, a third, a fourth, and a fifth? And Cal Foot on top of that? Probably not, but I think Tampa's really confident that they're going to make another deep playoff run again this year, and Tanner Janot is just going to help them a lot more. I don't know. Like I said, trading away all these picks and prospects, in a couple years, their core is older. They are in their window right now, but once their core gets out of its prime, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough stretch for the Lightning, I think. Maybe in a couple years, if they see that maybe some of these guys like Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman are gonna be starting to get out of their prime, maybe they say, "Hey, our window's done. We won a couple cups. Maybe we're gonna maybe they win another one, um, and they can trade some of those guys and recoup some of their picks and prospects." But Right now, it's not looking like a good future. In a couple years, I'd say three, four years, it's not looking too good for the Lightning. But right now, in the next two, maybe three years, their uh, their playoff chances and Stanley Cup chances are always should be right at the top among the best teams in the NHL. The Gavrikov trade. So. Los Angeles gets Gavrikov and Jonas Corpusello, and the Blue Jackets get a 2023 conditional first. The pick turns into a 2023 and 2024 second if LA misses the playoffs. So right now, it's a first-round pick unprotected, but if LA misses the playoffs this year, it turns into two seconds. They also give up Jonathan Quick and a 2024 third-round pick that has no conditions on it. I like this trade for the Kings a lot. Going into the trade deadline, they had been linked to all of the almost all the defensemen on the market. They were linked to Chikrin. It was reported for about an hour or so that LA was trading for Jacob Chikrin, and they were just waiting for the official announcement. But that was quickly, quickly uh, shot down. So now, after the Gavrikov to Boston trade falls through, which is a whole separate issue. Uh, Columbus thinks thinks they are they got bamboozled by Boston. They thought they had a trade in place, and Boston thinks that uh, that they were far apart in talks, and they didn't have a verbal agreement at all, which is what Columbus thought they had. After that falls through, and Boston gets Orlov, Columbus starts scrambling a little bit with Gavrikov, and they start calling teams who need defensemen and seeing if they could potentially package Gavrikov and someone else. They get to L.A., and L.A. says, yeah, yeah, we'll take him. Give us Corby Salo, too. Corby Salo was a guy that was linked to being traded the deadline, but not certainly traded at the deadline. I think one of the big things that L.A. had to address was address at the uh, deadline was a defenseman, obviously, but also goaltending. They were planning on coming in the season and having Cal Peterson be their goalie. That obviously didn't work through, work out. 
Jonathan Quick has played okay for them, but not not great for a playoff team. And Phoenix Copley has kind of been a stopgap guy for right now. I think getting Corvi Salo can definitely help the Kings. He hasn't played a meaningful meaningful game and taking meaningful shots in a in quite a long time. So we're gonna see how how he performs in that situation. It does suck for Jonathan Quick. He didn't know he was going to be trading. He didn't know he was going to be traded. He was part of that really good core. Uh, it just—it's just a tough—it's just tough for tough for Jonathan Quick. Although the good thing is he did end up getting flipped to the Vegas Golden Knights, so he's not—he's not leaving and going going very far. It ends up looking. We're going to talk about that in a little bit as well. I like the Gavrikov trade. I think the Kings are going to use Gavrikov well, and I think. I think getting Corpy Solo is a very good idea. Being able to address a goalie and a defenseman in the same trade and only having to give up a thir- uh, a first and a third. I think that's a I think it's a good that's a good trade. One of the things I've been thinking out thinking about though is that in the offseason I definitely think through free agency or maybe even the draft for if they decide to keep Corpy Solo for a couple of years, they draft a guy and keep Corby Solo for a couple of years until that drafted guy becomes becomes an NHL player. But maybe even through free agency, addressing that goalie situation, I, I think uh, I think the Kings and management are definitely going to look hard into really addressing that goalie position. So that's definitely a thing to keep an eye out for during free agency. Next one we have one of the first of many Kyle Dubas trades that went down this trade deadline: the Jake McCabe trade. Toronto gets Jake McCabe at 50% retained and Sam Lafferty with a conditional 2024 fifth and a conditional 2025 fifth round pick. Chicago gets back a first, which is top 10 protected in the 25 season. They get a 26 second Joey Anderson and Pavel Goliev. I think this is a great trade for the Maple Leafs. They've seen in years past what has worked and what hasn't. I think they're really trying hard, especially Kyle Dubas, not to be a first-round exit team again. I think right now it's almost certain that Tampa and Toronto are going to meet in the first round of the playoffs, and they're kind of sizing each other up. Right now, Toronto's looking at what what Tampa's getting and they match that and then Tampa looks at what Toronto gets and they match that as well. So I think Toronto's just trying to look at look at it and see how they can possibly get past the first round because it's almost certain that they're going to play the Lightning in the first round who's a very very good team that made some moves like I said. They they changed they changed a big identity of who they are. They traded some defensemen, they got some they got some other defensemen. They switched some forwards around and added guys, subtracted guys. So it's almost a whole, not a whole new look Toronto Maple Leafs because those core guys are still there. But a lot of ma- a lot of moves were made for the Toronto Maple Leafs this offseason. Another thing people have been talking about with the Leafs is uh, wondering if Kyle Dubas is doing this because he's on the hot seat right now. His general manager contract is up at the end of this year. And if there are another first round exit... There's a, there's a good chance, which personally I don't think this should happen. I think they should extend him either way. But I think if they're another first round exit team, then there's a chance that he doesn't get resigned. So I think they're doing, he's doing everything he can to get it past the first round and make a lot of moves so that even if they don't get out of the first round, he can say, 
hey, I made all these moves at the deadline, did all these things to make the team, to try and make the team better, but we just weren't able to get get past it and maybe not take as much of the blame if they don't get past the first round. They should get past the first round. I think if it's Toronto, Tampa in the first round, like it's it's looking like it's going to be. I think Toronto should win that series, and if they do, probably most likely going to play Boston in the second round, which if you're a second-round exit for Kyle Dubas, I think that buys you a couple more years and gets you an extension, but I think, like I said before, either way, Dubas should get an extension. Really quickly, I'm going to run through some of the smaller trades that went on. I'm not going to go in-depth in all of them. Minnesota trades a fifth-round pick in 2023 for Gustav Nyquist at 50% retained. Good for Minnesota. They add a little bit more of scoring and a little bit more depth for the playoff run. Maple Leafs get Luke Shen for 2023 third, adding a good depth defenseman who is going to be a good physical presence and a leader in that locker room. Washington trades Eric Gustafson and Boston's 2023 first that they got from the Orlov trade. To the Leafs for Rasmus Sandin. I like this trade. They get younger. They, they're not looking like a complete seller. They take the first that they got from Boston and flip it. So good on them. I like Rasmus Sandin as a prospect. Washington trades Marcus Johansson to the Wild for a 2024 third round pick. So Minnesota's adding a lot of depth guys who can score. The Maple Leafs trade Pierre Engvall to the Islanders for a 2024 third round pick. Hurricanes get Jesse Pugliarvi in a one-for-one exchange for Patrick Pistula. That's a good trade. The Edmonton Oilers have been out on Pugliarvi for a long time. So trading him for a decent prospect is is pretty good i think um the hurricanes missed out on a lot of the big guys that they were targeting so getting pool yarvi isn't isn't all that bad dallas stars trade dennis guriar dennis gurianov to montreal for a one-for-one exchange for evgeny dadnov montreal takes another chance on a guy who hasn't quite worked out but has a lot of potential gurianov didn't work out very well in dallas but has a lot of potential uh, Montreal seems to like to take on guys like Kirby Doc, uh, Gurianov, guys that have a lot of potential and see if they can turn them around. And the Stars get a guy who can score and can put up a lot of points and is a good playoff player for their playoff run. Nino Niederreiter goes from the Nashville Predators to the Jets for a 2024 second. Uh, the Jets were a very quiet team during the trade deadline but adding Nino Niederreiter I think is a great move for them. Ivan Barbashev gets dealt to the Golden Knights for Zach Dean, a good depth player going to the Knights who are going all in again for the Stanley Cup. Philip Peronic in the 2023 fourth go to Vancouver for a first and a, th- and a second both in 2023. Carolina gets Shane Gossespair from the Coyotes for a 2026 third round pick. Kings get Eric Portillo's signing rights for 2023 third. So talking about the quick trade and the Corby Solo trade, the Kings are really looking into addressing their goaltending problem and trading for Eric Portillo's signing rights, who's a very good goaltender, maybe turning him into a project. Maybe he's a goaltender of the future. I like that pickup for a third round pick. And the Penguins get Mikael Granlin for a 2023 second. The Penguins were a weird team this trade deadline. They moved a bunch of guys. They got a bunch of guys like Mikel Granlin. I know they tried and made a bunch of offers for JT Miller. Those didn't happen. It seemed at the beginning like 
Pittsburgh was almost selling a little bit, and then they add a bunch of guys. So obviously they're looking to go to the playoffs now, but who knows uh, what is going to go what's going to go down real quick i just want to touch up on the jonathan quick trade obviously columbus flips jonathan quick at 50 percent salary retained and columbus gets michael hutchinson at a 2025 seventh round pick so knights have also had goaltending issues they've had a couple guys hurt logan thompson played really well for them actually excellent for them at the beginning of the season he's cooled off a little bit he's still playing pretty well but they're just looking for more solid uh, goaltending play to add to just in case for for a good playoff run and a strong finish to the season. Before we get to some more of the trades, we have five or six more to go through. Not a not a ton. We're going to talk about a couple extensions that happened. So, a couple big ones actually. Dylan Larkin resigns in Detroit for eight years at eight point seven million dollars per year. It was looking like Larkin could potentially get traded at the deadline, and he gets a deal done in Detroit. CVY gets the deal done. I think it's a great, it's a great contract. Good amount of years, good amount of salary, not too much. A lot of Detroit fans wanted that eight point five to nine million dollar range, no more than nine million dollars. I think Steve Eiserman was looking for about the same thing, and he got that. So. Got on them. I like that extension a lot. Next extension we have Nick Jensen resigns in Washington for three years at 4.05 mil per year. Another good depth defenseman that Washington has that uh, sounded like they might have might have shopped at the deadline, but ended up getting extension done. It sounded like Washington at the deadline was going around and asking all of their pending UFAs if there was a chance they could get a deal done. If not, they were being traded, and if they were, if it did look like they would get a deal done, like in Nick Jensen's case they did, they re-signed him and kept them around. Probably the biggest uh, probably the biggest deal that got done during the trade deadline week was Boston extending David Pasternak for eight years at $11.25 million. For a lot of people, this came to a little bit of a surprise how early they were able to get this deal done. A lot of people didn't think that they were going to be able to get the deal done this quickly. Um, obviously, they thought that it was going to have to be done in the off season, and they didn't think they were going to get it done in season. It had come out that things were slowly getting a little bit better, and contract talks were going somewhere. That was a couple of weeks ago, and... Obviously, now they got a deal done. I think this is a very good deal for Boston. They lock up one of their best players for one of their best young players for eight more years at 11.25. Honestly, I thought, I bet you Pasternak was probably looking for 12, 12 and a half because of how well he's doing. Getting him at 11.25, he's probably only going to get better. I don't think he's going to get any worse, especially with how young he is. I think this is a great contract for Boston. Uh, Boston's going all in. They got a lot this trade deadline, and they were able to get Pasta knocked on. So I think the Boston Bruins might be the biggest winners of this this trade deadline week. Couple more trades to go through, and then we are out of here. Let's see. Tyler Bertuzzi, another Boston move that happened. Tyler Bertuzzi 
got traded to the Boston Bruins at 50% salary retained. Detroit gets a top 10 protected 2024 first and a 2025 fourth. Earlier in the season, around December-ish, the Wings, uh, Detroit, and Bertuzzi weren't able to get a deal done. So it was talked about them shopping Bertuzzi at the deadline. Obviously, that happened. So now he got traded. Boston gets another very good winger. He's basically going to come in and replace Hall, who got put on LTIR, which freed up $6 million in cap space. So I think this is another great trade. The only problem I see is I have no idea how Boston is going to re- be able to resign everyone next year. I think if they win the cup, Krejci and Bergeron will probably probably retire. Uh, I have no idea with their cap situation if they're going to be able to get Bertuzzi signed or if he's just going to be a rental player as well as Orlov and some of their other defensemen they have going on. All in all, I think this is a great trade for Boston. Obviously, they're going all in to get that Stanley Cup, but Tyler Bertuzzi to the Boston Bruins, I think, is a great trade. One of the otter trades that I talked about a little bit earlier in the episode of this podcast, Jacob Chikorin gets traded to the Ottawa Senators. Ottawa gets a top five protected 2023 first and a 2024 second. They also get a 2026 second. So basically Chikorin for a first and two seconds. When I first saw this trade, I didn't, I didn't know how to feel about it because Ottawa's about five or six points out of a playoff spot as of the recording of this episode. So I'm not quite sure because they, they traded some guys too at the deadline. They got they didn't go all in at the deadline. They're not going all into the playoffs, but they're not they weren't completely sellers either, which kinda a little baffled me. Baffled me a little bit. Um so I don't know I didn't I didn't know what to uh how to feel about this trade. And then it came out and said that Pierre Dorian, the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, had said that he made a promise to Claude Giroux that he was going to get something done. Uh, Some of the veterans there, like Claude Giroux, uh, some of the younger guys even were a little upset and disappointed how the season's going. And Claude Giroux was uh, the voice of that. So uh, Pierre Dorian said, Look, we're gonna we're gonna get something done this deadline for you. Some we're gonna make something happen, and they got the the biggest uh, defenseman on the market, in my opinion. Now Arizona only getting a first and two seconds back, no prospects or anything. Which at the beginning, when the first rumors came out, it was reported that they were looking for a first, maybe two firsts, a couple of prospects, a whole bunch of stuff. And they only get a first and two seconds. So I think waiting and not being the first defenseman off the market kind of helped Ottawa's case a little bit. They didn't have to give up as much. But I think this is a better trade for Ottawa than it is Arizona. But getting a first and two seconds back, especially a first that's top five protected, not top ten protected in this upcoming draft, which has a stacked top 15 top 20 on from a team that might miss the playoffs which is which is very good value so I don't hate the value that Arizona got back but they were definitely looking for quite a bit more coming back the other way St. Louis gets Jacob Verona at 50% retained from Detroit for a 2025 seventh and Dylan McLaughlin 
I think St. Louis is just looking to see what they can get out of Verona here. Obviously, he's been in the AHL. He played a little bit in the NHL. Looked decent. Is on a, a, a kind of big contract for how he's been playing and how he's not been playing, which he was in the NHL Players Assistant Program, came back, was down in the AHL for a while. Was rumored he was going to get dealt. I don't think Detroit was ever going to get a lot back in value for him just because of what's been going on, but he's definitely a high upside player. He just needs to find his game again, and I think if he can find his game again, then St. Louis found a really good player for not that much. One of the bigger trades left that I haven't gone over, Max Domi got traded to Dallas from Chicago, and they get back a 2025 second and Anton Kudobin. Dallas gets a really, really solid middle six center who is a very good two-way player, can score, has found his game a little bit more in Chicago, and I think he's really going to do well in Dallas. I like this trade for Dallas, especially as a team who's going for the playoffs. Um, I think Domi's going to strive quite a bit and do well in Dallas, so I don't mind this mind this trade at all for the stars another quick thing we're going to touch up on Edmonton gets a solid depth player Nick Bukestad at 50% retained and they also get Cam Deneen for a 2023 third and Michael Kesslering a couple more just smaller trades before we end off the podcast Pittsburgh gets Nick Benino back at 50% salary retained in a three-team trade Montreal gets Tony Sund from Pittsburgh and a 2024 fifth round pick. And then San Jose gets a 2024 fifth round pick, which turns into a fourth if Pittsburgh makes the Eastern Conference Finals. They also get a 2023 seventh and Avrin and another prospect. Um, obviously, there's a three-team trade. I think each team retained 25% on Benino's salary, so... This is another one of those situations where Pittsburgh sold off some guys, but then they got some guys back like Benino and Granlund. So they're going to look to go in the playoffs. I think they might, depending on who they match up with in the first round, they might be a first-round exit team. They're definitely not as solid as some of the other teams in the Eastern Conference. So it's kind of, I mean, they got some good stuff back for the guys that they traded, and they didn't trade much for the guys that they got. So it's kind of a win-win if I don't think obviously they want to go deep into the playoffs because Crosby, Malkin, Latang, the guys on that team obviously are always going to want to go deep in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to get very deep. I don't think they're going to get past the first round. A uh, kind of big trade that happened earlier today on the actual trade deadline day is Jordan Greenway goes to the Buffalo Sabres for a second and a fifth, a 2023 second, 2024 fifth round pick I like that trade for Buffalo I think Buffalo set themselves up really well coming into the playoffs and by playing really well their math is looking pretty good I think they are gonna get I think it's gonna be close with them they didn't add a lot at the deadline but they also didn't sell so they put their, themselves in a spot where management was like I don't I don't think we can really sell because we don't have uh, they they they're not out of a playoff spot. They're not dead last. They're they're pretty close to a wild card spot. So I think ownership didn't want to sell off a lot. They didn't. They weren't sellers, but I don't think they wanted to buy a lot either. I think they're just 
waiting. They didn't want to sell off any good prospects or picks. I think they're waiting a couple more years until they really go at it. But I think adding Jordan Greenway as a middle six player for them, a big physical player who can score some goals for you, I think that's a great thing to add for the Buffalo Sabres. Obviously, they have Tage Thompson, who's really big, who can score. They have a lot of skilled guys, and Jordan Greenway fits that fits that player profile. So I think the Buffalo Sabres getting them is a is a great trade for them. Another quick one, the Minnesota Wild get Oscar Sundquist from the Red Wings for 2023 fourth. Good trade for the Wild. They get a solid depth player back in a loss of Greenway. Troy Stetcher goes from Arizona to Calgary with Nick Ritchie, and Arizona gets back brother of Nick Ritchie, Brett Ritchie, for and Connor McKay. So just a couple player deals, a couple depth Depth forward, depth defenseman going back to, to Calgary. They're another team in that bubble. Not looking to go all in, but aren't going to sell either just because of the position they're in. Dmitry Kulikov at 50% retained goes to Pittsburgh for a third-round pick in 2024 and Brock McGinn. Brock McGinn was making, I think, almost $3 million for uh, another year or so. Not a great contract, and I think getting Kulikov back is just... Is, a, is another good depth guy to add to that Penguins roster. Obviously, they were another team that wasn't going to go all in, but sold off some pieces for good value and then traded for some good value pieces. So I like that, I like that trade quite a bit. The last trade that we're going to talk about in this podcast episode is a pretty big one that happened at the end of trade deadline day today. Jong Plingberg from the... Anaheim Ducks goes to the Minnesota Wild at 50% salary retained. The Ducks get back Andre Suster, Nikita Nesterenko, and a 2025 fourth-round pick. I think this is this is great value for Minnesota. Obviously, Klingberg's a pending UFA, and they get him at 50%. This is a great trade for Minnesota because they get a good, a very good defenseman to add to that very good defensive core after 50% salary retained. Um, but he's a pending UFA, and they are in very bad cap situation for next year. So this is potential to only be a rental piece, and that's why they didn't have to give up a lot. There you, get, there you guys have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hockey Talk podcast. Obviously, remember to go follow on Twitter if you haven't already for lots of updates and news on pretty much everything going on and thank you for listening thank you bye